the relationship of humanity to the natural world, to Gaia, to creation is so profound and so complete and replete that it changes everything. It changes the dynamic of how we live. It changes our understanding of who we are. It changes our understanding of our identity in relation to the world around us. Hello, I'm Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Welcome. Your journey of conscious evolution continues right here, right now. We live on a conscious planet that is innately intelligent and inherently alive. We are part of its evolutionary journey. Dr. Jude Curavan has detailed the 13.8 billion year story of Gaia, where everything in existence has inherent meaning and evolutionary purpose. The insights gleaned in this science-packed manuscript take us on a journey from simplicity to ever greater complexity, diversity, and self-awareness. Today, we'll focus on the unitive nature of reality and how we evolve from simplicity to unity with the global leader of Unity Earth. Ben Bowler joins me and my co-host, Dr. Jude Curvan, for this episode of our Conscious Planet series. I invite you to take a few conscious breaths with me. Bring your awareness into your heart. Relax and open your mind. Settle into your essential wholeness. As I introduce my co-host and guest, Dr. Jude Curavan is a cosmologist, planetary healer, futurist, and author of the best-selling and award-winning book, The Cosmic Hologram. Jude just published The Story of Gaia, which has inspired this series, and I'm excited to bring Ben Bowler here. He is a unity activist and spiritual entrepreneur. For the past 20-plus years, he has founded myriad spiritual programs, social enterprises, live festivals, and online global events. Ben is the executive director of Unity Earth, a global network building a worldwide movement for unity and peace. So welcome, Jude, and welcome, Ben. Thank you, Julie, and welcome, Ben. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much, Julie and Jude. It's tremendous to be here with you both for such a rich and exciting discussion today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. And I just just want to pause and acknowledge that um, Jude is in the UK, Ben is in Melbourne, and we've got three of us all over the planet coordinating time zones from early morning to late evening, and here we are. So it is just wonderful to really be able to find this time for all of us to come together. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So Ben, your I'm going to start with this. Your life has been dedicated to cultivating and nurturing unity. In the spirit of all things connected in our beautiful conscious planet, can you share with our listeners, we're going to just start with this, what has been your personal connection and relationship with Gaia? Whoa, (laughs) that's a heavy question. First thing in the morning. Luckily, I've got my coffee here, Julie and Jude. Um, You know, I think it's, it's, oh, wow. Uh, I think it's... uh, it's an evolving story, 
first and foremost. It's very much something that I think uh, is an ongoing, like any relationship, is an ongoing relationship. My uh, my awareness um, of the natural world has been tremendously impacted by um, friendships with uh, Indigenous wisdom holders, particularly over the last 10 years or so, um, through the experience of connecting to the rocks and the trees and the rivers and the lakes and the oceans and the mountains um, and the animal kingdom uh, in a way that's very, very challenging to put into words. And it is something that you have your conceptual framework uh, and then you have your lived experience and they are, it, it's deeply challenging that, that personal inner experience of relationship with Gaia and with creation, if you like, is something that's, um, that's uh, definitely an ongoing education and revelation. And it's something that probably 10 years ago, I thought I knew more than I did. <laughs> and by going on these journeys of, I remember one, um, one in particular, and I should point out, it's not, it's not only you know, people who qualify as indigenous people. There are many other people on the planet, too, that are able to take us onto these journeys. I remember in Creston, Colorado, one time, um, there is a gentleman there whose name escapes me, but perhaps one of you might remember, who's very famous for going into the wilderness for decades at a time. And he has these incredible uh, rock formations on his property where you can lie in them and feel the currents and the energy. And I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but we'll come back to that. But going there and being taken into the woods, into the forest, into the wildness, and being given the opportunity to lie in these, they call them seats, which are these, you know, these beautiful rocks. And to feel that, you know, you can call it chi, you can call it uh, prana, you know, there are many different names for, for that flow, that life force, that, that, you know, and I'm sure, you know, with Jude, occupying this incredible uh, space between science and their evolving understanding of the universe, you know, they would be able to speak well into this as well. But Julie, for me, it's that lived experience of connection and that firsthand experience has been very overwhelming for me, particularly as somebody who's probably been quite in my head over much of my life to come out into, you know, that, that, that visceral, that connection. It's very humbling um, so I think the, the connection to Gaia is definitely an evolving one for me. It's one that is an ongoing story. And I think it's probably fair to say, like any relationship, it's two steps forward sometimes, one step backward. I get caught up in the, the world of ideas and form and the economy and, the, you know, the, and, and I get disconnected from Gaia very easily as well. So I think it's important to sort of you know, put it out there that it is something that takes, like any relationship, ongoing time and effort and commitment. So my experiences over the last 10 years in particular have led me to revelation after revelation after revelation in understanding and feeling and experiencing relationship to the created world, to Gaia and to all of her beautiful forms. Um, I want to acknowledge Danalia Castell as well for the education this year, her work with the listening field and connecting to nature elders has been another, you know, kind of cycle of that evolving relationship as well. So what a beautiful journey for us to continue to discover our connection to Gaia and to the natural world and, the creation, and to creation, uh, an ongoing, limitless uh, journey of discovery and of being held. And something that I love and admire so much about Jude's work is that 
overarching essence of belonging, which is at the very heart of everything that Jude is teaching and, and telling us and discovering and then and sharing with others, that we, we inhabit a cosmos which is has belonging at its very center. So what a beautiful journey of discovery, of homecoming. Uh, and yes, it's ongoing, never-ending from one sort of experience to the next and uh, and sometimes two steps forward, one step backwards. Uh, so that's that's been my experience with Gaia until now. I, I love that. I just love the dance, you know, that it isn't a linear journey, is it? It is this dance, like any relationship is a dance. And, and I love, Ben, what you said about, you know, you being in your head. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I sense other than our indigenous brothers and sisters, most of us, you know, are, are naturally in that way because that's what we were taught. That's the way we were brought up. You know, what, you know, what is rational, what isn't. So, you know, I love that you answered the invitation of Gaia. You answered the invitation of cosmos, to, of the cosmos to enter into this dance of experience and embodiment. I mean, one of the things that I felt important to share in the story of Gaia and before that, the cosmic hologram was the evidence of unity, mm. the evidence across all scales of existence and numerous fields of research, exactly this, you know, that our universe exists and evolves as a unified entity. And for some folks, I think that that sort of opens the door to that invitation because we're more comfortable. So it's like, show me the evidence, show me the evidence. But, you know, once that evidence is there, that's just the beginning of the journey. Because then it is that willingness to answer the invitation to experience this. And I know from my own journey, you know, it is a dance, as you say. And it's a dance sometimes where we, most of the time, I've not had any idea of where that dance is dancing me. And yet I've loved it so much that I've been willing to sort of follow that continuation of, of invitation. And I'd love to ask you, Given your involvement and your dad's involvement with the indigenous communities of Australia, you know, I was very fortunate to spend some time in the Red Heart with some uh, Aboriginal uh, community. And they, you know, they, they were literally showing me their experiences and inviting me into those experiences of Chirkapa, you know, that dreaming into being and that way of experiencing and embodying this unitive awareness and, and us as part of the web of life. I'd love to, if you can, to show a little bit about that before we, your experience of that before we, we move on. It's been a very rich, very, very powerful uh, part of my family story over my whole life. The ancient remains of Mungo Lady and Mungo Man discovered in the late 60s and early 70s by my father, Jim Bowler, Forever, forever changed our understanding of human occupation uh, in Australia. And, you know, it's probably important to point out that prior to those discoveries, the accepted by science, by, by contemporary science, age for how long Aboriginal people had been in Australia was a few thousand years. There was actual discussions about, you know, did they come before Christ or after Christ? They were the conversations at the time. So these discoveries of fully modern humans, uh, older than 40,000 years old, and again, fully modern, ceremonially buried, sophisticated cultures. Mungo Man was covered in ochre, which would have had to be traded by, by communities hundreds of miles away, kilometers away. 
uh, was shocking and completely upended uh, our, our understanding um, of human occupation in Australia, challenged the out-of-Africa theory, uh, and still remains, you know, uh, um, a great mystery as to those ancient cultures that survived, the, the oldest living culture on Earth. So, you know, Jude, the experience of the deep time, dream time of, of I can't speak for it, of course, but I can speak about my experience with Aboriginal people, both out in... Uh, uh, in in the red center, as you say, and also right around the country. And you know, for the audience, Julie, there are there are 150, 160, 180 different what they call language groups right across the continent of Australia. And these are kind of discrete communities that were bonded by language and culture and and tradition. Um, so you know, there's not one Aboriginal race, of course. There's, there's such incredible diversity. And again, we see this flourishing of diversity across the Australian continent, very, very sophisticated cultures living, you know, 40,000 years. It's hard for us to get our head around the we ooh and ah at the pyramids at 4,000 years uh, old. But this is something so far beyond that, you know, 20, uh, t- you know, 2,000 generations uh, that have lived sort of consistently through that. So it is, it's an extraordinary thing. And you know, of course, it's been in, in one breath, having said that, I also need to say in the other breath, the treatment that Aboriginal people have received by uh, the colonial um, invasion uh, of this continent is horrendous and is yet to be truly dealt with. But in terms of the what we can learn from Aboriginal people, and I think, you know, going back to, I guess, uh, you know, from my father, his mantra, one of his mantras always was, that we, the white Western European, you know, people of the Enlightenment, have lost something that Aboriginal people have got. We have lost something that they have. And this has been something which has been, you know, kind of seeped into uh, me, I suppose. And um, my experiences with Indigenous people is, is really amazing. Again, it's, it's challenging to put into words. But that connection where time is suspended and the relationship of humanity to the natural world, to Gaia, to creation, is so profound and so complete and replete that it changes everything. It changes the dynamic of how we live. It changes our understanding of who we are. It changes our understanding of our identity in relation to the world around us. I think, you know, we live such individual lives in the West. We, You know, this idea of this, you know, separation that you talk about. And Jude, I want to just pull out of your book. At the very, very top, there's a magnificent quote, which really resonates very strongly, which is underlying unity isn't a dream, it's reality. The appearance of separation is, though, a dream, and it's turning into a nightmare. The story of Gaia is dedicated to everyone who is waking up to remember we're inseparable. And I think that's, you know, the essence of indigenous wisdom is, you know, it's not even a, it's not even a, an attempt to get back to unity. It's not even a, it's not even a, 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 a trying to achieve, you know, moving beyond separation. It's like, it just is, it just is. And it's that isness that you, I experience when I'm with indigenous elders, the isness and the welcoming and the graciousness, despite the horrendous atrocities that have been committed against their people and against their land, right? Because they feel both. The mining here in Australia, you know, you can imagine the deep, massive holes in the earth. These are a heartache for Aboriginal uh, guardians. 
but the wisdom and the grace and that 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 connection to all of life is just something that just seeps out of them when you're around them. But sometimes you've got to spend time. You got to. You can't just go there and turn on the tap and get the wisdom. You know, it takes time and patience and. And sometimes, you know, you've got to have eyes to see and ears to hear because it's not always immediately obvious to everybody. But some of the experiences I've had with Aboriginal wisdom uh, keepers and guardians have been utterly mind-blowing. The connection to nature, to the animal kingdom, to the waters, the rivers, the rains. I mean, it's, it doesn't make rational sense by our Western scientific perspective. So I think that's one of the, again, Jude, why it's so important what you're doing, enlarging this worldview, enlarging our perspective, so it can include, you know, what we might look at as mysterious or ma- or even magical. We can now begin to understand as part of a enlarged framework of reality, in which our connection to the water and to the trees and to the animals is inherent, and so that the Aboriginal way of being in with Gaia. We don't look at from a separate point of view and go, oh, wow, isn't that something miraculous or magical? But we come to a deeper level of understanding, actually, that's reality. And we've been the ones outside of reality. We've been the ones living in a fantasy world. We've been the ones living in a construct of our own imagination. And indigenous wisdom holds the key for our reintegration into creation, into Gaia, into the cosmos itself. So there's a lot to learn there. And I just, you know, again, want to acknowledge your incredible work in helping to build frameworks that can allow all of us uh, to come together into an enlarged understanding. Okay, Ben, I loved that quote from the beginning of the book. I also have that highlighted. I think it's a really important just statement to frame what's going on. And I love that, that you picked that up about unity. There's tons about unity in the book. It is a book about unity, right? And I, I, I love that. And this, Ben, I, we're doing an ongoing series that we're calling our Conscious Planet series about the story of Gaia. And you wrote an endorsement for the book. And I want to just read a piece of that and have you expand on it. You wrote, this remarkable book gives us an enlarged narrative framework to contain and empower the story of global and universal becoming. It is both a call to adventure and a promise of inseparable belonging. Those are two beautiful phrases. Can you say more about those? The universal becoming and inseparable belonging. I love that, Ben. Yes. Well, and I I think that's perfect, Julie, Um, you know, building upon that last discussion we're having around the um, the connection with the the ancient wisdom of indigenous people, the new understandings of our um, scientific awareness that Jude is you know helping to pioneer. I do think that it is a story of becoming and belonging, and you know in terms of the becoming, it's uh, I think part of our challenge and part of what Jude and, uh, is a part of redefining is our language. And how we understand our relationship to language, because, you know, with in you know, an Indo-European language of English, it's very much a substance language of things, this thing and that thing. And we understand sometimes relationships between things, but it's pretty static. But when we would look at the sort of the idea of, you know, in, in grammar, it's called gerunds, this idea of the becoming uh, or the evolving or the unfolding 
Uh, it's a little bit, we get away from this world of substances and certainties and we enter the world of the flow of creation. And I think that that's really important that we, we begin to sing more that song in tune with the, the deeper understanding that of the rhythms of creation, the rhythms of Gaia, the endless pulse of being, which is becoming. And I, and I find in Jude's work a, a real call into that evolutionary uh, partnership and relationship and, uh, and, and the beauty of that, that we are agents within it, that we are a part of it, that we are children of creation, that we are stewards of creation. We have a role, we have a place, we have a seat, we have a, um, an incredible, unique and honored place within this cosmic dance, within this grand orchestra and opera. So that's really beautiful. And then the belonging part of it, that we, we are where we need to be. We are who we need to be. We are part of this glorious unfolding reality um, that we can settle into and be at peace with who we are and know that we are valued and know that we are worthy and know that we are loved. Well, there's a whole other aspect to that, which, you know, kind of then emerges into philosophical and theological kind of considerations. But in terms of uh, the essence of being a part of this glorious, glorious ocean of becoming, there is a sense of peace and there is a deep, deep sense of belonging. I see in Jude's work a call to that, a call to realize that the process of creation and Gaia herself is an endless unfolding and an endless invitation to more unrevealed adventures which I feel is also an, you know, an extraordinarily important thing for the young people as well of the planet to hear that call to adventure because I think it's inherent in the human spirit that we, especially with the young, you know, um, younger people, younger generation, to want to go on a big grand adventure. And here, you know, Jude is laying out we are part of this adventure which is so much bigger than any of us realized. And to be able to issue that invitation and then, and then in the safety of it that, you know, there is – that there is a, a beautiful world to explore, a life to, you know, kind of create and, be, and, and curate, and that it all belongs, and that it's a sense of family, it's a sense of oneness, it's a sense of inseparable. And I do think, you know, that's really, really important. Um, you know, the, <clears throat> the, the, the mental health issues that people are facing around the world, the Loneliness, the isolation, the, you know, the, the whole, the, the, unfortunately, the, some of the repercussions of social media that allow people, you know, make people feel less than and not worthy and unloved and not successful and all of these things, the suicide rates that we all know are going through the roof. This is the context of the world into which Jude is dropping these, these invitations and these insights. So I think it's really in that context, extremely important to say, here's a call to adventure. Here is a call to endless becoming. Here is a call to endless belonging. Uh, and I think that's incredibly important for us to get out there into the world. I love how you add adventure to this, Ben. It is delightful because I, the, from the people that I've been talking to who have read this book, there is a sense of belonging just reading the book. You, you find yourself in, in Gaia and in history, and there's this there's this intrinsic belonging that, that comes from that. And I love that you're adding adventure. 
Thanks, Julie. That was so beautiful, Ben. And I love adventure. You know, you know me. Um, my, my, my word of my life is curiosity. <laughs> so if there's any invitation to an adventure, I'm, I'm there. One of the things that really became so clear to me as the book wrote me is more than even our universe existing and evolving um, meaningfully as a unified entity was the sense of our entire universe embodying an evolutionary impulse to purposefully evolve from, you know, simplicity to complexity and ever greater levels of individuated self-awareness and then moving beyond that to a sense of interbelonging and interbeing. I know Julie would join me in, in sort of your reflections on that. How did the book speak to you in that sense of that purpose, that innate evolutionary impulse to evolve? Because we're such a moment now, you know, a pivotal moment that, you know, a lot of us in the evolutionary leaders community have written about our moment of choice. So how does a, a purposeful universe call us to this adventure at this pivotal moment of choice in your sense of it? Mm. Thank you, Jude. Yeah, and I think, uh, and uh, I, I do think, in in that really is the great gift of of your work is that <clears throat> is that call to participate in this process. Again, I grew up with, um, you know, I go back to my dad. I guess a lot of it goes back to back to dad, but <clears throat> I grew up with um, Teilhard de Chardin, the great uh, Jesuit um, paleontologist, and he was also a priest. Um, but this idea of an evolving cosmos in which we are participants is a radical, radical idea for, for many, many people. He was, in Teilhard's case, he was ostracized uh, or marginalized, let's say, by his religious superiors because his ideas were so, his ideas of a of a evolving cosmos, which is gradually becoming more complex and more complete, kind of flew in the face of the traditional theology of the fall and the whole sort of story. So he was marginalized, but this idea, I think, has taken deep root. You mentioned the community evolutionary leaders. He is one of the, uh, you know, kind of patron saints in a way of the evolutionary leaders, I think, in Barbara, Mark Hubbard and others. But I think you're continuing that lineage, Jude, and, you know, as a scientist with a, uh, with a spiritual heart, with a heart, just like Teilhard continuing to enlarge these frameworks and to paint the picture and tell the story of a cosmos which is purposeful, which is deliberate, which has a plan somewhere in the heart and mind of creation. There is an unfolding uh, direction that we are moving. And that is thrilling. That is a thrilling, thrilling thing to to reflect on. And when you present the science of this, when you present, you know, the scientific uh, frameworks that support, you know, this incredible idea, <clears throat> I think that gives us permission to really lean into it and believe it and buy, and buy into it. So understanding that we have a partnership with creation, with Gaia, with God, if you like. I mean, it depends on people's perspectives, but that we are in partnership to improve, to advance, to progress the world, the universe, the cosmos. What a gift. What an incredible um, entrustment of responsibility into our little hands and hearts. And that that really is um, uh, enabling and also a, a return, giving people agency 
And I think, again, this comes back to what we are talking about before, about some of the, the sociological uh, challenges and um, difficulties that we face on the planet. So much of it comes from a, a belief that we don't have agency. Well, I can't change anything. What can I do? I'm just one little lost soul. What can I do? I'm one little disconnected fragment individual floating in a sea of chaos. What can I do? But you're here presenting a very different picture, which is that the chaos is actually purposeful. It is mindful. It is going in a direction. It is loving. And it is inviting each of us to come to the party, come to the dance, join the song of creation. That is the invitation to come and join the song of creation, to lend our hearts and hands and heads and minds, not only as little individuals, but to come together as groups, to come together in bigger family groups, to come together in communities and networks and use our collective power to influence the flow and direction of reality. Now, that's a mighty invitation. And I think that that really is at the heart of the story of Gaia is that we are invited to participate in a noble seat of creation, to do our part together. And the joy of achievement, that is another thing I think that is lacking, you know, when, when lives are lost, when people and souls are lost and depression and anxiety is rampant, there is nothing quite like that feeling of we have achieved something together. And whether that's something like the great work of this book or whether it's a project or whether it's Julie's show, which is, you know, spreading light and beauty around the world, there is, you know, an invitation to endless achievement. And achievement is a really important part of a sense of self-worth. So you're inviting people in to take part in the grandest show on earth, which is the unfolding evolutionary creation of an unborn future. And that we get to weave and sew and create that together. Uh, it's incredibly powerful and important what you have done here with the story of Gaia. And to continue to amplify that message out there that everyone's invited. Come, come, whoever you are. Uh, everyone's invited. And, and, and I believe that that's really, you know, the fruits of this extraordinary work that you've, that you've given us. Ben, your words are just exquisite. Like your response, we don't need to ask any questions. All we have to do is just invite you to speak and you're just pulling through, like you're leading the next question, the next question, your next question. So I want to just follow up with something you said and pause because you dropped the name God in there. And your work has been really on the leading edge of the interspiritual movement of really helping people see the, the wholeness and the one God that, you, you know, that you, you can talk about that if you want to. And you're also on the leading edge of the unity movement on the planet, peace and unity. I mean, these, these things are really important to you. I see this book, The Story of Gaia, as a seminal body of work that can greatly impact the the breadth and the depth of the unity movement, the peace unit movement, just like you have said, and, and the awakening of unitive consciousness, unity consciousness on the planet. So I'm wondering how the message in the book has inspired you and in what you do. 
you know, how does the story of Gaia inform you and your work on the planet? I know for me, I'm excited. Like it's filled with highlighted, like this is stuff we can get out to the world and share on a bigger level, looking at super organisms and, you know, from how the stars came to be to like, here we are on the planet at the 11th hour and 59th minute. So like, I'm just curious how this can impact and inform your work and what what you do, seeing the future and, and where you're at. Thank you, Julie. Well, I, I think that, you know, we're part of the power of stories and the power of, of narratives and frameworks uh, is essential. I think, you know, what I would uh, sense from and, and, and pick up from Jude's work is that here's a story people can believe in. Here's a story that there is foundations, you know, there, there are some people who will just take a leap of faith and arrive at a conclusion, and that's okay. And there's probably a bit more we can talk about faith because faith sometimes goes, well, faith does go out beyond reason and in advance of reason. But for so many people, and for perhaps now, uh, certainly in the secular West, perhaps a majority of people, we need reason. <laughs> we need to base our uh, we need we, we need to understand. We need understanding, and we need to believe something from a rational uh, and from a logical and from a systematic perspective. So I think with Jude's scientific building blocks in the book, in the story of Gaia, allow people and give people the permission. A whole segment of society that wouldn't otherwise buy into spiritual unity, unity consciousness, unity in any sense. It's step by step by step bringing them along the journey to where it's a logical, rational conclusion that unity is. And I think that is its you know, great gift is, uh, is, is for those people to lead them on a journey. You know, we can't just go around there telling everybody, you know, unity is, so get with the program, because that's not how it works. People, we need, people need to be led along, and some people respond to different things. There are some people who arrive at that conclusion through, spiritual, through their spiritual life. In fact, you know, a, a large percentage of the more evolved, you know, if you like, if you're taking an integral approach to it, the more <clears throat> evolved aspects of spirituality and religion arrive invariably at, at, at unity, whether it's Rumi or St. Francis or 10,000 other saints and sages, that's where we arrive. But for us, we'll, we, need, we need to be led step by step. So this is the rational, scientific, foundational, um, verifiable, provable equations that end up with the answer is we're all one. We're, we're all part of this one you know, beautiful, integrated whole. And I think that's the great gift of Jude's work is that she's proving to people, she's demonstrating to people, she's making the case which is compelling and convincing, uh, and that's critical at this time. So I think that's, you know, definitely one of the great gifts of, of the work. Thank you, Ben. And I love Julie's quote that unity isn't an ideal, it's real. And I think this is, this is what this is about. You talked about young people and I, I'm sharing so many conversations and, you know, this is offering authentic hope, I think. It's not a false hope. It's an authentic hope because it, it really is grounding us in that reality. Of, of, of unity. And one of the, one of the things that I, I, I felt so privileged and loved in, in the book writing me 
this entire sense through the very beginning, you know, 13.8 billion years ago, not as a big bang, but as the first moment of an ongoing big breath, is our universe is innately relational. It, it, it does exist and evolve as a unified entity, but it differentiates its unity in diversity and innate relationships. And of course, when we move into, into Gaia's nurturing as a planetary home, we see these collaborative relationships at every scale through the whole story. And as simplicity evolves to greater complexity, you know, there is this, this healthy tension of competition. But when we move from simplicity to greater complexity, we inevitably, invariably get cooperation. And the whole story, um, and I've loved the examples that, you know, came through and I shared, is almost this, this evolution of, of empathy, this evolution of a compassionate interdependence and interbeing. And I, I'd love you to, to, to respond to that, that sense of empathy, compassion, innately, innately embodied in that evolutionary impulse. And that now, at this pivotal moment, our opportunity to answer this invite and come into a cooperative synergy, linking up and lifting up, lighting up and leveling up, as Julie and I speak to, to go forward together as and as Gaians, as Gaians. So I mm. really appreciate your sense of that. Well, I think you do a beautiful job, Jude, of making those dis- differentiations. One of the, it's interesting to compare the ideas of oneness and the ideas of unity, and where are they the same and where are they different? And I think you really touched on that, the inherent relationality of life. Sometimes in the concept of oneness, that individual identity can be a little bit obscured and can be lost in sort of this sea of oneness. Um, the I-ness gets a little bit drowned by the sea of oneness. So I think you've done a beautiful job of having the both and of the old, the inherent unity and oneness of creation and the differentiation of individuality, which then allows relationship and even love to, you know, to, to be a part of the system. Because without the I, thou, it's difficult to have a genuine selfless love. And I think that's a really important uh, di- distinction that you make in the book as well, Jude, that throughout creation, we do have these um, individual individuations, these uh, dif- differentiations as well. And that's, I think that's really important. Perhaps it's a little bit like the idea of light as a particle and a wave. It's both and. We can be the endless sea of I- inherent oneness and at the same time we're also these particles that are trying to figure out our way in the system. So I think it's, it's important you do that very, very well. Uh, and that that relationality is, as you lay out, is fundamental. That, you know, I- I the invitation to, to empathy and to a true selfless service and love is an invitation. It's, it's, it's not always easy because obviously, but, uh, you know, kind of contrasting the needs of the, of the individual particle with the great ocean is a dance. It's a dance. And it's not always like a very, very simple way for people to figure out, you know, where my self-interest and the interest of the group and the interest of the whole are intersecting and when are they conflicting? As you say, sometimes there's conflict in the system. So it's a complex system and you do a beautiful job of laying all of that out. With all of that going on, there is the invitation to 
to a deeper empathy, to a higher service. And it's again, it's an endless, ongoing process. It's not one decision. It's countless decisions and choices. It's not one moment of choice. It's an eternity of choice. And I think, you know, that, that's an important counter understanding to that, you know, grand symphony of unity to which we're belonging, that we are also these individuated beings and we have to operate inside this ethical moral framework where we are called sometimes to make decisions between our own self-serving and, uh, and our own, you know, service to the whole. And sometimes, often also for our own self-maintenance. I mean, looking after yourself is not always a bad thing either. So it's a very interesting, complicated, beautiful, unending journey of discovery as we begin to learn to dance with the particle in the sea of oneness, uh, as, as you've laid out. And the key of empathy and understanding uh, what the other is wanting and what the other is needing and uh, and being able to get outside of ourselves and have that unity consciousness and that group consciousness and that expanding um, consciousness that can allow us to uh, rewire our idea of who we are from just merely a little individual particle to transcend and include all the way through to the cosmos itself. So I think, you know, in the work and the framework that you've, you've laid out, it invites people to go on those journeys. And they are, they're difficult choices as we have to figure out as best we can, uh, you know, that play between our own self needs and serving the group and evolving, evolving the cosmos itself. And empathy, ultimately, that we're all on this journey together, that we're all part of the same, you know, process is really the, the natural conclusion of your work. Ben, you said something that I'm curious about. I'm wondering if you differentiate a difference between unity and oneness. You said that to start out here. And what is unity? What is oneness? How do you hold each of those inside of you? Oh, that's a great question. And I think one that's worthy worthy of exploration. I think, again, it's probably, um, I think they both have truth. They both have value. They both have meaning. And I think they're a little bit different. I think, uh, you know, one sometimes oneness, unless it's differentiated the way that Jude is doing, can end up kind of leaning a little bit into sameness. So, you know, having the differentiated, flourishing, massive diversity and individuated part of oneness is, yes, uh, we're a part of a oneness and we're also family groups, we're also national groups, we're also ultimately individuals as well, as well. And I think being able to hold those two together allows the idea of unity that we can come together in our diversity, in our individuated distinctions and, and participate in unity as an identity and as a different identity and as a different identity and as a different identity. And I don't always get that level of depth from the term oneness personally, but I don't always get that level of depth from the term oneness. I think it's it's that and all of this other grand color and 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 uh, form as well, and the and the identity that ultimately we are individuals. And, and I think that's most people's lived experience. And I think you know what Jude does is say yes, that's true, and part of this, and part of that, and part of Gaia itself, and ultimately rewiring our understanding of what's our core identity. If my core identity is a Gaian and I get to live it out as an individual Ben Bowler, then that's that's great. That's a wonderful journey. 
But if my core identity is I'm just an individual and I'm kind of separate from everything else, then that's going to lead down a different path. So I really admire what Jude has done by holding the grand um, ultimate unity and oneness, which at that level are the same, and then yet you know bringing them down into differentiated levels of identity and reality that can then be relational. Because the other thing I think sometimes really gets lost with oneness is where's the selfless love? If all we are is one thing, and you know, and that, that might be a big philosophical question, but how can I demonstrate selfless service if I'm just part of one conglomerate? So I think there's, there's a level of just a little bit of complexity to it, and I think Jude brilliantly uh, you know, handles that and deals with that so that oneness is, and we're also these individuated parts of it as well. Mm, oneness is also. Jude, I'm wondering if you have any last questions for Ben before I take him into the interview. If there's anything left that you want to just jump in here with. <laughs> I'd love the the one thing that sort of I'm I'm sort of oh, I'm almost breathless to hear your response of. Is there a difference when you feel yourself as a human being and experience yourself as a Gaian? Yes, yes, yes indeed. Indeed. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, often we'll, we'll have discussions and debates, uh, Jude, about <clears throat> do we use the word world or do we use the word earth? And, you know, part of it, you know, language, obviously, as we talked about earlier, is critically important for us. And I think that, you know, human being kind of resonates with world in the sense that it's the human nature of things it's a human order of things it's me as a human in a human world in a man-made world you know gender specific uh, as opposed to the understanding of of me as an expression of the earth as a as a part of the earth community as uh as a as a glorious pinnacle of the evolutionary nature of nature itself herself as a guy in so, yes, I do feel there is deep potency with that understanding of connection to Gaia herself and as a, in a local sense to the body of water that I live near and the trees that I have relationships with and the animals that I connect with. So, yes, as a Gaian is much deeper, much broader, much more beautiful sense of identity than just as a human being. Uh, human being is great. Gaian is more. And I think that that's an important distinction to make because it, can, it connects us back into nature, connects us back in to creation. And we could talk a lot about this, and I know that you've you know, spoken a lot about it too, Jude, but the, somewhere through the Enlightenment, and you know, we don't want to just blame Descartes, but through the whole process, we somehow got caught up and put ourselves above, above everything. And, you know, and religion has its role to play in that uh, as well. We, as humanity felt ourselves above and beyond everything else as you know the the you know the, the the whole natural world was here to serve our purposes and our ends and you know we got we got down a different path we got into a path of separation we're down that path so i think by reclaiming the term gaian it puts us back in the heart of nature and it puts nature back in our hearts and i think they're both necessary for this time mm. thank you ben that was beautiful. Put 
puts the heart back in nature and puts nature back in the heart. And, oh, I'm going to invite you into your heart, Ben. I'm going to invite you out of that rational mind. So take a few deep breaths with me. We're going to go inside and listen deeply. It's, it's time for the inner view. That's what I'm calling this. So we're moving deeper inside and getting out of that rational mind, out of the heads, and move into that inner realms to find that place of unity where we speak from that direct experience of our interconnectedness and belonging that you were talking about, giving voice to that intelligence from which we're inspired to speak. The world really needs to give voice to the interview right now. So Ben, from this place of absolute connection and unity. I'm wondering if you could just take a, a breath and speak freely from your interview. What wants to be shared with the world in this moment from within Ben Bowler? Well, this is uh, an invitation from our mother to return to the womb and be reborn, come back to the umbilical cord, the earth itself wild, verdant, fertile, luscious earth itself and to become what we were born to be, children of the earth, connected to our mother, stewards of her gardens, her forests, her wild places, barefoot upon the soil, harvesting the fruits and grains, living in harmony and wonder, beauty, tending to creation, connected, fruits of her vine, whole communities of loving connection and abundance, creativity and joy, children of Gaia. That was exquisite. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Bless you. I have one more question for you to wrap this up, but I want to let our listeners know how to find you. They can go to unity.earth, www.unity.earth to find more about Ben's work in Unity Earth. And also, if you want to learn more about Jude Curvan, go to judecurvan.com. And also wholeworld-view.org. That's wholeworld-view.org. Ben, this was great. And throughout our conversation, I just want to stay in that interview. It was just gorgeous. But um, I also really want to give our listeners a call to action. I think it's really important now. And throughout the hour, you were really tiptoeing around some very specific things we could do as a call to action. But it is an important time on our planet to really know what what do we do now? Okay, I'm here. Hopefully people listen to this interview and go, sign me up. What do I do next? So I'm wondering if there's any simple action or call to action. How do we serve Gaia for the good of the whole? How do we substantiate this unitive vision, this whole worldview, what would you say to our listeners today that gives them action direction now? Yeah, thanks, Julie. I mean, there's lots of things I could say, but ultimately I would say, <clears throat> seek and ye shall find. Uh, you know, if you dig around, 
uh, Jude's profile, get the book, read the book, um, follow up. There's Julie's uh, obviously incredible library of work and body of work, uh, the whole uh, good of the whole. Um, there's just so much amazing stuff going on right now. I don't, I don't think I would want to say here's one way that people can get involved. I mean, there there's lots and lots of different things people can do. So put the antenna up and dive in. Hold back, suspend your doubts and disbelief and concerns and the things that might be trying to hold you back and just dive in with a big-hearted yes and you will find your place. There's amazing things happening with the evolutionary leaders, with the hollow movement. There's great stuff planned for next year with what Unity Earth and all of our partners are planning for 2023. There's just incredible things are, are, are afoot and it's time. It's time to dive in and find your, your role. I'd be happy to communicate with anybody who's looking to find a way to get involved. You can write to me at ben at unity.earth. Uh, and I'd be happy to, to connect with anybody uh, of your listeners, Julie, who want to follow up and want to go further uh, into whatever you know kind of calling they may feel. It's time for us to go. And Jude has laid out this incredible invitation and this profound gift through, the, through this work, the story of Gaia to really you know facilitate this call to action to facilitate the invitation to it's a it's a it's a rallying cry for participation so people will find their way they just dive in deep thank you ben and thank you for joining us you are a master networker and organizer of bringing people and organizations together and i really appreciate your offer there to help anyone just send you an email because literally if you do, I promise you, if, if he sees that email, if you say, I want to get involved, Ben will definitely bring you into the community and get you involved. There's lots that he's up to. So Jude, any last comments for you before we bring this to a close? Just to offer my wholehearted gratitude to Ben. Um, in Ben, Ben, you embody what I call soul modeling of this invitation. You know, we're moving beyond the role models that we've sort of put on the masks of from that illusion of separation. And as we wake up to the realization that we are inseparable and yet each of us unique individuals, as you say, of that ultimate unity, we can actually, by accepting that invitation, become soul models of this, you know, this amazing potential for us all to come together to collectively, consciously evolve. So thank you, my dear beloved brother, Ben, and my dear beloved sister, Julie, for both of you soul modeling what this amazing opportunity and invitation of our entire universe and our planetary home, Gaia, invites us into this, this adventure, as you said. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Ben. And I want to leave you with Ben's quote, unity is, but I also want to leave you with the words of the story of Gaia. While competition for environmental niches and resources do have their roles, it's rather cooperation and holarchic organizations that fundamentally drive evolutionary complexity. Collaborative relationships that are win-win whether through competitive tensions or cooperative mutuality, supported the earliest emergence of organic evolution and have continued to do so ever since. 
I'm Julie Kroll. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. This is part of our Conscious Planet series with co-host Jude Curvan. Thanks for joining us. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. If you enjoyed the show, go to your favorite podcast platform. Remember to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, please consider supporting The Dr. Julie Show at patreon.com backslash all things connected. When we each give a little, we all get a little more. You can stay in touch with me at juliecrawlemail.com. Thanks for listening.